Fine Art Podcast dedicated to exploring the art and culture of Latter-day Saints through interviews with artists, collectors, and scholars. This podcast is presented by the Zion Art Society and hosted by me, Micah Christensen. For this episode, I am delighted to have the artist, entrepreneur, community organizer, and overall doyen of joyful color, <laughs> yes. Tanya Vistanet. <laughs> Did I say that right? You did. I did. Yes. And you told me a trick, which we'll reveal later. Tanya is, Tanya is in partnership with her husband, Steve, who is here on the side but does not have a microphone. We may bring you in, potentially, but this is really about Tanya. <laughs> yes. um, she creates pieces in a wide re- range of media, from fine art to coloring books and murals. Her work has been accepted into countless shows, including multiple times in the Springville Museum's annual Spring Salon the Spirituality and Religious Show, and the Church's International Exhibition. Tanya is an advocate and organizer playing a major role in teaching, supporting, and promoting artists and their work. She also has created an artwork that will appear in the upcoming Certain Women Exhibition, which is the excuse that we have to sit down with you today. Welcome, Tanya. Thanks. I'm so glad you're here. I'm happy to be here. You know, we've known each other for a while. We always seem to, you know what? I was going to say that we end up in, in the same places, but really is I end up in the places that you are at the center of. <laughs> oh, brother. On a regular basis. I don't think I'm the center, but we end up in the same places you, often. <laughs> we do. We do. And I, I think this is the first time we've really had a chance to sit down yeah. and have a long conversation. I've been, you've been on my hit list for a very long time. Oh, good. Okay. So. I want to ask, I want to start off with a question, which is, I've seen a lot of your art, and I want to know, do you ever get depressed? Oh my goodness. <laughs> um, it's so yes. full of it's so full of joy and it's full of joy and, 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 and color, color, and I and it and you know what? I know it's a lame question because yeah. everybody does. It's not yeah. the answer, but I deal with anxiety more than depression. Yeah. Very anxious and panicky. Yeah. But um, the art that comes out has to be that way because it has to have joy and happiness in it. That's where, that's what I want to project. So that's what my art needs to be. That's what you want to project. Yes. So it's, it's so I do, but yeah. So it's a choice. Yes. It's a choice to absolutely a choice. There is no closet of, of, uh, of, of dark, depressive, muddy colors. (laughs) You know, I recently, about a year ago, decided I wanted to paint an all-gray painting in different tones of gray because I'm actually drawn to them. I like them. And I painted it, and I I couldn't handle it. I painted over the whole thing. I cannot, I cannot do the darkness, even though I'm drawn to it. I really do like um, my, f- I love homes that are black and white, and I really love black and the deep, mm-hmm. but I can't surround myself with it. Hmm. I have to be surrounded with color and and bright colors i can hardly do pastels even really yeah it's interesting you you say that that you you see homes that are this way i you did a series recently you're very active online Mm -hmm. and and you did a series of posts on social media about the interior of your home yeah i yes i keep putting up different snippets (laughs) and and it seems like it's one of those places that is a um, a constant work in progress because it's always it's always evolving. And it you is. see, you talked about that. It's my canvas, and it, it's been. I probably have ten layers of paint. It's it changes colors. It used to be very colorful. I've gone to painting everything white, 
and starting over but most of it is staying white because i i love the light that it brings and the brightness i need to have that around me you know i come from an antique business background and my in my family and it's uh this is this is going to come back to a question um i haven't formulated this okay <laughs> necessarily but um previous to the recession in 2007 um antiques were really in vogue in, uh, around the country and around the world and uh there was a lot of building that was going on people were using it functionally and then the recession hit and everything became um and I know this is reductive, but everything seemed to become kind of mid-century modern. Totally. Clean lines. Yep. Um, uh, solid colors. Uh, I have a friend of mine who's a decorator in London who said that everything looks like a sanatorium or hospital at the turn of the century. And, um, and then occasionally people have a spot of color in a home. So when people come into your home, which is like walking into one of your works, potentially, have you found... And, and they're supposedly coming from the predominant culture of beige. Of, of, of beige. <laughs> <laughs> How do they react? And oh, good question. Um, with surprise and curiosity, they one of the main reactions we get about our house is adults live here <laughs> and they just don't understand i one of my favorite things my um one of my great aunts came for the first time she's from wyoming and she came for christmas one year and she sat in our basement and she looked around and she said why would you do this to a perfectly good house <laughs> I, but i for years every wall was a different color everything was very vibrant lime green for some reason or chartreuse were the colors of choice for a long time and then i started changing it to hot pinks and bright yellows and now i've gone to everything pretty white and black and white and we were recently in italy and there's a um one of my favorite churches is in Siena. Inside, it's all striped black and white. And yeah, we're talking about oh, the main cathedral in yes. where the floors are, oh my are filled with, with a kind of mosaic I, that's also yes. black and white. It made me cry, and I said, I want a black and white house mm -hmm. with all my color and art because we are big art collectors. We have a lot of art. And so that's where a lot of the color comes. And painting all these walls white has actually given me new life to kind of start over in my color schemes and they're changing a little bit so now, been interesting i've been reading a little bit about your your background that you grew up traveling travel moving a lot yeah moving a lot why did you um why moving around so much as a kid my dad was an entrepreneur yeah and i, I don't know i get i've asked him and he's like well it was always on to the next big thing and um, he'd build businesses and sell them, and and we just moved a lot growing up. In high school, he was a mission president in Taiwan, and so I spent ninth, tenth, and eleventh grades going to school at an international school in Taipei. And I never felt settled anywhere. So I, like Steve, grew up in the same home from the time he was four or five. Mm always in the same place, has friends from that whole time period. I don't have a lot of friends growing from my growing up years because we moved so much. And I always felt like, oh, this is a new adventure. Let's do something else. And so 
it was good for me. It wasn't necessarily good for the rest of my siblings. But for me, it just gave me a sense of, I've got to entertain myself. I've got to do my own things. And that's when I, as a kid, I was making pom-pom animals and pillows out of psychedelic colors, you know. And it was a good, um, wonderful upbringing for me. But I think it broadened my mind to there isn't only one way to do something. Where did you fit in the sibling order? I'm the oldest. You're the oldest? Yeah. Of nine. There goes my theory. Somebody goes out there <laughs> of nine. Yeah. That goes. This is my theory. This is this is terrible. This is a Micah tangent. Okay. <laughs> but uh, the last time that I went through um, First Nephi, I was thinking to myself about uh, um, how Laman and Lemuel, if they had not been older teenagers and had been forced to move and give up their what they thought was probably a planned future, and they were more like Nephi's age, who was younger and you know just going with the flow wouldn't have been as many problems potentially because they're 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 uh can you imagine moving with your kids in high school right before they're about to graduate versus when they're in in elementary school it's true potentially and but, but you yeah. just blew my theory i did i blew the theory because <laughs> we my parents had always wanted to live in utah and so when we came back from taiwan they moved to salt lake yeah. and i had my senior year in at cottonwood high huh. And I remember going into it thinking, I only have one year. I'm just going to have fun. And, yeah, yeah I, I think it's just different personalities. You know, when you, going to Cottonwood High when you did, um, and when was this? 83 I graduated, so. Okay, so Cottonwood is not, I mean, even in the past 10 or 15 years, you've got the rise of holiday and a lot of wealth that's in that area. I mean, I think there have always been, there's always been wealth and culture there. But being someone who traveled around as much as you had, you must have been um, much more exposed to art, culture, having grown up the way that you did. Did your interest in, in art, you know, start early? Did it come later? It started early. How did you have a formative My mom thought? was a painter. Was she? What yeah. kind of art did she do? Well, she did oil paints when I was younger and then moved to watercolors, and she was a decorator. She, every home we moved in had a completely different theme. So, and we moved a lot. By the time I was 18, we'd moved 11 times. If you had to describe her style, what, how would you describe it? Eclectic, her? because really? I can't describe it. I don't, she's more classic. Um, mine is more, I don't know, fly by the seat of my pants. We collect toys, we collect art, we collect all sorts of, anything that makes us happy. Uh, and, <laughs> It's kind of become a problem as we age. <laughs> All these collections. <laughs> now, but when did when did you meet Steve? We met. We both turned eighteen in October of our freshman year. We met because our birthdays were both in October. And your freshman year, where? BYU. BYU. Yeah. Okay. In the dorms, and one of my friends said, "Well, that that's Steve." And He's turning 18, and at the time, my dad owned Marie Callender's restaurants, uh-huh. and so I went and got a chocolate pie and brought it to the cafeteria and said, happy birthday, and I didn't know who he was. Wow, that's a bold move. <laughs> You're like, hey, tall drink of water, here's some, yeah. here's some chocolate pie. So the funny thing is, our first, I mean, that's when we met, and there was a group of friends, and then I asked his roommate out on a date to a dance, a BYU dance, and his roommate said... I don't do dances. 
why don't you ask my roommate? <laughs> so I asked Steve, and we just got along ever since then. So <laughs> there you go. Now, had had both of you found your calling and careers early on, or were you both? Oh heavens! Birth in school. What, what were you? What did you study? I studied fashion merchandising because I didn't feel like I could draw good enough to do fashion design. Okay. And I wanted to do interior design, but I was. I guess cocky enough to think I don't need to be trained in that. I can do it. It's interesting because you see <laughs> so many fashion. You see so many of the fashion artists leading from really like the twenties uh -huh. up until the nineteen eighties. They didn't have any aid of 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 uh, like Photoshop and right. and Illustrator. So they are they're taking figurative classes alongside artists, uh -huh. and draftsmanship was a huge part of it. And, and I so you were felt hard like I yourself. couldn't do that. I was very hard on myself, yeah. Hmm. And so, but I liked the color. And some of my favorite designers in the 80s were Issey Miyake and hmm. Norma Kamali and these ones who had huge shoulder pads and bright colors. Oh, and, yeah. You know, and then I loved Betsy Johnson. And I, all those colors just really spoke to me. From, the, as a little kid, I loved pop art. The 80s were color. Oh, yeah. They were so color they really and they were influenced. shape. They yeah. were, uh, I, uh, yeah. I mean, that's that's interesting. Yeah, the eighty. If someone asked me, my favorite colors are black, white, and hot pink, or any neon. Hmm. And I just that's so eighties. That's yeah. ridiculous. It's kind of, I don't know. That's well, we totally eighties. We think of it as eighties, <laughs> but it's cyclical, right? And yes. so there are times when during the, the fifties, it was yeah. also in vogue to have color. And then when you look at Art Nouveau and the explosive color. It yeah. was an Art Nouveau. And then you go back, you know, before then, you hit in the 1870s. You've got another explosion. So it just seems yeah. like things go in cycles. It does. It does. Yeah, I, feel, I feel like we're coming back to an 80s yeah. color sensibility. And you see the people who grew up, went to high school and college, who were matured, who were just maturing in the 1980s, are now the ones making movies. Absolutely. And they're making Stranger Things. They're making yeah. they're making films. And those are the ones who have now brought back. We just went through a 70s revival. Yes. Like. Now we're going through a, yes. an 80s revival. Yeah. I don't look forward to the military boots, <laughs> 90s, baggy no, that clothes was not. revival. I hope we don't. No, that <laughs> maybe was not. The, maybe the second time around we'll get it better. I don't know. <laughs> um, yeah. Were you two always creating? Well, you know, let me let me first go through this timeline a little bit more. You wanted to do fashion design. Mm -hmm. You didn't feel like you had the draftsmanship skills. I sewed and, so and thought I would do something just immediate that I, I didn't think I'd need to draw. So as things progress at BYU, how do your thoughts change? I just change went a you year. Went? You went the year? Yeah, I went one year. Steve and I met, and I started working and making money and decided school wasn't for me. So I didn't graduate. What were you working and making money at? <laughs> well, I worked at Marie Callender's and then I worked in their offices uh -huh. and became an office manager there. I've had so many strange jobs in my life that don't pertain to art. I was a car salesman. My dad, so I kind of worked with my dad throughout the years. In his businesses, I did his taxes, for business taxes, and even when we lived out of state, I'd fly in and, and do things. And then he owned a car lot, and I ran it for him. And these are not in the arts world. The arts were always outside of my making money skills. So you were the dream so. eldest child. 
He is a serial <laughs> entrepreneur. He's got lots of ideas. And you are the responsible eldest child who's kind of making making everything work as he's... Well, no, because he had business people. I think he was giving me an opportunity to make some extra income yeah. in his businesses. And probably develop a huge arsenal of skills in the process. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like I learned a lot of business skills. I don't know that I learned them as well as I could have, but yes, I did. And so my art making was outside of what I was doing work-wise, really. And so I always did craft shows, and I started, I don't know, 30 years ago making... I always made my kids' clothes, dresses and things, and then I'd sell them, and I'd, I'd make doll clothes, anything they were into, doll clothes. And then I got into making jewelry. But I was always painting my house and doing creative things so i think that we often make a false distinction between what is fine art and what is craft absolutely did is that something that you always felt like it was a false distinction did people categorize you as you're making these things did you categorize yourself yes all all of that i was a crafter yeah. i did a lot of crafts and honestly it was only about five years ago Steve and I have always done a lot of projects together, and he's a doodler and drawer. Even right now as we're talking, he's yeah. doodling. <laughs> um, but we, we did a mural in our house, and then we've always done weird projects together. But it wasn't until about five years ago that we decided we had to do, try to make art together, hmm. fine art, something we can enter into something. Because until just a few years ago... We were just kind of doing whatever we wanted to do. It wasn't for a, a purpose. Does that make what sense? What changed? Um, our kids grew up, and we felt like we had more time, and we need needed to focus. And we wanted to put some joy out there. Honestly, the first painting we did together was The Path that was in the Springfield Museum show in... 2015 maybe it made it in a spiritual religious show and it's um i don't know it's a fairly big painting maybe three feet by four feet i don't know what mm -hmm. size it is but we did that and we thought about it a lot and put it in and when it got in we went oh my goodness somebody likes the way our brains work it's not just us hmm. <laughs> And we recognized that um, a lot of people were telling us that they loved the bright colors and the joy and the happiness, and especially um, kids. And so we've kind of made a goal. We paint together a lot. He has his own projects. I have my own projects. But a lot of the paintings that we put in shows, we've worked on together. And... Um, I don't know. I think it's a success if kids love it. That's interesting. That's what I want. How do you know if kids love it? Because they tell us, or we get messages, or we'll sit. We've sat in museums before and You've watched lurked. people. You've yeah, lurked a little we've bit. We've lurked. <laughs> <laughs> and There's I no just, shame in lurking. I, I make love I it. make it sound yeah. shameful, but it's not. Yeah. So, so I want to. I do want to get to how you two work together now, and I also want to get to um, how you feel like your work differs from Steve's work. But this is something that, you know, as, a, as an art historian, when 
you look at collaborations through the history of art, Rubens and Van Dyke, Rubens and Bruegel. Um, you, you, Rubens did a lot of collaborations. Bruegel and Yan, and uh, you get all of these people who have worked together over time and create masterworks. And we have very, it's rare that artists collaborate. It is. Because artists often have very individual approaches to things. Mm -hmm. And um, and also, it, you don't often hear about how it's made. So I want to tease this out about how the first partnership worked. I want to know in that first piece, the path it was called. and we'll get into The path other. was the first painting. We had done a couple murals. Okay. What were that. the murals for? Um, well mostly for our house. We've done them for our house. Since then, we've done them for different companies, for um, conference rooms or entries and things. We've done a few um, corporate murals. This was the first bringing that down to a painting. So let's talk about the first mural. What's the first mural? Or, or, the fir or you could do the first painting. Whichever one, you can tell me from soup to nuts. <laughs> What the, the first time I what it looked like. Well, the first time I really the process it, looked like it that. dawned on both of us that we should do something together more often. Why? And really do it. The first time was the mural that we have in our kitchen, and it's about twelve feet by nine feet. Okay. And I had done a. Um, some stripes on the wall and I'd done some patterns and I'd done a mural down our stairs that's very um, Peter Max-ish. Mm -hmm. I love that bright stuff. Bridget Riley is one of my favorite. I love her stuff. <laughs> um, so I'd kind of done some of that type of thing and Steve has books and books of drawing and doodling and, and that's where his go-to when he's trying to figure things out. And I love them. I love all his patterns and things. And so one day I just primed over this wall and had a white wall. And he came home from work. He's a graphic designer. Came home from work. And I gave him a Sharpie. And I said, draw on the wall. I'm going to paint it. He's hmm. like, what? <laughs> I said, I don't even care what you draw. Draw on the wall. So the first mural he drew and we did i don't know f 10 or 15 years ago and it and i painted it very greens and blues it felt under the sea mm. and we and it wasn't but it felt like that and i wasn't totally happy with it so then I painted over that one, and he walks in one day. He's like, where's the mural? And I said, here's a Sharpie. <laughs> <laughs> so the one we have now, we've had for a little while, and it's flowers and, I don't know, all sorts of craziness. But it it's just made us both so happy. But w when we say we work together on things, we don't work at the same time. He's the drawer. Okay. I'm the colorist. Interesting. And so... I think I'm insecure in my drawing. I can do some, but I'm more insecure in that. But I'm pretty secure in my color. This is a hard question to ask. And I guess it's, it's kind of an, a question that answers itself. <laughs> but um, are you insecure in drawing because you're really bad at drawing? Or yeah. just because you think you're really bad at no, drawing? No, I, I think, I, I, <laughs> I think and I am. No, I, I can draw basic ideas, but I think I'm bad at drawing so when you when you create a piece i'm the art director you're the art director so steve just just had this note that said you're the art director, art director. 
Well, it, and it does. I'm the it, bossy one of the relationship. Well, it does so. seem like um, a really interesting combination of you instigating something. Yeah. And then allowing a creative freedom on his part to flower. And then you taking that idea and him allowing you to take that idea yeah. that, that the, he has um, contributed to and, and adding color. Do you then have jam sessions where, where you'll say, okay, I got it so far with my color. What's your take on it? Does that happen? Or does he even uh, unsolicited walk in and say, sometimes. that's not, that's not, um, not, that, that's not working very well? Not, not too often. Uh, I don't really, I can see things that are missing, but I, usually he does his thing and I do my thing and we'll, we kind of have an opinion, but we don't really encroach on each other's is this part. How, is this how parenting was too for you too? <laughs> I'm the bossy one. Uh, no, yeah. no, no, no. I don't, I don't see this as bossy at all. No, but I mean that, ov- that, that overlapping, did you each take kind of different territories yes, within parenting? And and, yeah. and you guys either consciously or subconsciously took over different kinds of things. Interesting thought. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. We were very um, united, though. Yeah. Um, it well, was, it sounds like in your art yeah. you're very united. Yeah. And we will come up with ideas together a lot. We both get ideas mm-hmm. for paintings. And then he will, t- like, we're working on one now we're trying to come up with. And... He's gone through about six drawings of an idea I had, but it's not coming out the way I'm thinking, and it's not coming out the way he thought I meant yet, and we're starting to meet in the middle, so we're coming up with what the idea is. I was recently so watching... So we go back and forth. I was recently watching this um, documentary that I'd recommend to everybody that was called Six by Sondheim. It's an HBO mm-hmm. documentary where it's an interview with Stephen Sondheim, and he, I know that you two are musical as well, and he talks about reluctantly taking on the lyricist position for, um, for uh, West Side Story. Um, and as he, he, kind of, he, he kind of goes through these interviews and says um, uh, um, that artists always, or, or lyricists always get asked, or songwriters, which comes first, the lyrics or the music? And he says, he says it's, an un, it's not an unfair question because it can differ based on the piece. But hmm. he said... Um, that some days working with Leonard Bernstein were joyously creative and everything seemed to come together. And and they had a hit at the end of the day. And sometimes it was a really hard slog over weeks. I absolutely is, is yep. your experience yep. is is it consistently inconsistent? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> when it's on, it is so on and the stuff that flies out of both of us is awesome. I dream a lot of ideas for yeah. paintings. I have books of ideas for paintings. So do you keep a notebook by the side of your bed? Well, I keep a or stack of do? paper okay. um, and write things down in the middle of the night. Sometimes I can read them in the morning. Sometimes I can't. Uh-huh. And a lot of painting ideas have come of that. And then I'll tell Steve, this is my idea. And then he'll take a couple of days and just draw in his book and everything and pretty soon he'll show me something and I'm either like yeah that's it or oh we need to tweak this a little because it's not exactly (laughs) and it's not that I see the piece I totally don't see the piece it just evolves into what I was thinking so what happened you said that 15 years ago you did this original mural that was a collaboration but then five years ago 
something changed? What happened five years ago? And what was the work that was, when you thought of five years, why did you think of five years ago? Well, that's when our our daughters had all moved out by then, and we actually had a conversation of what's it going to look like now in our house. We don't have anyone living at home. What does that mean? And we made a couple of decisions. One is we're going to go to things. We love collecting art. We've collected art our whole marriage. We have a lot of art. What kind of art? Um, actually, we collect artists. And that being said means I have a varying different... I have so many different kinds of art because I love the artists. And tell me, I tell me about the distinction in your mind because I think that is such an interesting I love to support artists. So for you, it's regardless of what the work is sometimes. I, or, well, or it begins the with the artist. Matters. It begins with the artist, though. Yeah. How do you collect an artist? Um, how do you begin that relationship? Or how have you? Give me, I would give say me one 95% in particular. of the art we own is someone we know or have met. And I have bought, we have purchased art or not purchased art after meeting an artist. Does that make sense? It does make sense. Um, I am all about living artists. And I want to encourage people to be creative. And so when I see... And there's a lot of artists' work that I'm dying to have, but I missed early on, and now I can't afford them. And so... But there's a lot of artists... In fact, I was looking today, and my smallest painting is an inch-and-a-half circle that I just got from um, Megan Trueblood. Hmm. And it thrills me just as much as a big... We have a huge Andrew Ballstead that we got early on in his career that thrills me just as much. And I love to know either what an artist is thinking or I want to really encourage them. And since we can't buy everything, we decided that we would go to things. And it's a conscious decision both of us made. We're going to support artists. We're going to support the arts. We want to go to as many things as we can. And that was something that we could do after our children left home. We had done it to some degree before, but after they moved out, we made a conscious decision to, to go to things and yeah. to participate. So I've got, a, I've got a lot of questions to ask you about the community of arts, because you're very actively involved. Tell me some of the things that you're involved in. Um, well, I help run Creative Collaborative, which is a monthly group that meets in Provo and has different speakers about the creative process. I've been, to, I've been to a few of those, and they're all remarkable. And it seems like you get a real variety yes. of artists oh, yeah. who are involved. Well, what, just give a plug to what they're, how you, I think they've got a Facebook group, Creative Collaborative, and they've also got an Instagram. It's handle, mostly right? through Instagram. Mostly it's through Instagram. Creative Collaborative Utah, underscore between each word. And um, we've had from business people to art, to painters, to musicians, because to me, Everybody's creative. We just got to figure out wh where their creativity shines. And who comes to those? Um, all sorts of people. It's very different. There's a maybe a dozen people who come every time, but really it relates to who's speaking. Mm. And last mm. month we had Ben and Carrie Hammond. He's a sculptor. Sculptor, She's artist. a painter. Yeah. And um, 
Next month, it's Brian Kershiznik and Steve who are talking about personal projects because one of their projects outside of painting is music. Mm. So they're talking about the importance of doing something on a weekly basis. They've been playing music together every Thursday night for 10 years, mm. at least. And we've had um, uh, Kevin from So Delicious. I mean, he's a he started a business. That's pretty creative, in my opinion. So it can be all sorts of things. And it's been if, going... If you, want, if you want a killer combination, Sell the the so delicious flavors based on your colors, and you've got you've got you've got a blockbuster right there. <laughs> yeah, Kevin, if you're listening. <laughs> Sorry, I interrupted. Them. No, that's yeah. So you've you've had um, and and you've been, I, it feels like almost every time I've been involved in in organizing an exhibition, whether it's for the Zion Art Society, whether it's been for a local show in Alpine. That, that you've shown up, and not just shown up at, like, the party, but you've shown up to set up walls, uh, to hang yeah. pieces, to invite people to it. And did, that had to have been something that's been a huge part of, not just, like, five years ago decision. No, we've been doing that for a long time. But, but since we haven't had our kids to focus on to the same degree, going to all their things, we've spent a lot more time helping others organize or set up or, or do different things. And... Honestly, I think the most important, a really important thing in our life in general is to support others. That's so important. And if you can't support them monetarily, support them, f go to things. Or um, I had someone ask me once if I charged to promote someone on Instagram. I don't charge. I just want people to know all these cool people or to know all these artists or to know things that are going on. I think it's so important because there isn't really a, a main space you can go to to know all the stuff. Right. So I think if everyone shared the things they knew, then we'd all be better off. So as somebody who's been involved a lot in, in, uh, in the community and working with artists, I guess... What do they call that scale when a baby's born of health, where it's one to ten? Oh. <laughs> you know what I'm talking yeah. about? Apgar. Apgar. Yeah. And, and, and ten is bad. <laughs> one is very healthy, right? Where do you feel like we are, we were as a community, um, where are we as a community right now health-wise, as artists, on that Apgar scale? I feel like there's a movement that's been happening that is more collaborative and more supportive than has been. I feel like artists used to feel like they had to be a solo thing hmm. and kind of fight for... Like there was territorialism? The, yes, to a, a degree. And I feel like it's changed. And part of that is technology has opened up things to everybody and so it's become a more collaborative space. Y you notice lots of um, short videos and things that show processes. Well, those kinds of things used to be very protected. Hmm. And people wanted to hide what they were doing. Almost like Rembrandt hiding yes. his secret etching process yes. from everybody else. D I and don't now want anyone to know. They'll take it. Now it's more like, hey, this is how I did it. Yeah. Let's come on. Do your own because it's going to look different. That's the thing. Nobody... I think we oftentimes worry too much about copiers. <laughs> and that's a learn that's a way to learn. Right. Is is by doing and it's never going to look the same. 
because you're coming from a different place. But I think there's some importance to sharing what we know for the greater good to help. It just helps everyone. Do you feel like there's been a there's there's been a corresponding collecting um, community that has risen up and grown is growing up alongside the artists who are a community more of a community than they've been yeah I do yeah I think it's really important um, I'm not we collect original art I I'm not a huge collector of prints, although I know they have their place. I understand that not everyone can own the huge paintings, so if you want that, you would probably need a print. Um, I would prefer, personally, to support that person in their making. And you can collect art starting at, I don't know, 25 bucks, and then go up, you know, hundreds, thousands of dollars. There's something in every price range, but the the opportunity to have a, an original piece from someone that you've talked to about that creation or that you know the work that goes into it, to me that just lives, like it's l a living thing on my wall, mm. and I love it. Mm. So And so we've started collecting really small pieces. I have a um, place in my kitchen above the cupboards, that stupid place you can't ever put anything that I've just put. <laughs> yeah. It's like, what, 12 inches tall? That we've decided to put all our small pieces of art. And so mm. I walk in my kitchen and there's, you know, 50 pieces of little art. And it makes me so happy. I love it. It probably makes a it. huge difference that whenever you see that art, because you collect the artist... I think of the person. You think of the person. Yeah. And that, that, then that gives you a whole nother experience that I, f I feel like if collectors were, were developing relationships with the artists themselves, which I think some do, some do go some out of do. their way some to do. create their relationship, yeah. that, that takes the, the appreciation of the art on a whole other level. Yeah. Because then it's no longer, oh, that piece of work, I'm not going to buy it because it doesn't go with my curtains. Yeah. It's no. more like... No. I'm buying that work of art because I learned something from this artist and and this work of art is an expression of that relationship, what I learned, yeah. that depth. I I want to talk about your work. You brought a piece here today and I had asked you to send me in preparation for this um, a work of art. And so Steve, because I, I, it was kind of a last minute thing, Steve um, sent me an email with all of these images that I assumed were separate, separate works of art. <laughs> but in reality, they were all steps to one work of art that you have brought here physically. What, let's talk about this piece. Okay. So what is it titled? The, oh my goodness. I, I you don't have remember. to have a title. What's the title on that? <laughs> it's on the back of it. It's on the back? Here. Yeah. Okay. So Crazy it says, little thing called love. That's the title of this one. <laughs> we <laughs> like to name our paintings after songs <laughs> because we're so into music. So um, not all of them are, but I'd say about 90% of our paintings have a song title. So if I had to describe the final work, it's a heart in the center of a, of, of a, of a lighter background that has got a number of um, scraffito, you would say. Yes. <laughs> there would be... That, 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 that reveal other colors that are in it. Yeah. Okay, so now that I've given that very basic, yes. inadequate description of what it looks like, but just so when I put the image up, people will know what we're looking at. 
how how did you get from the beginning of this to what we're looking at? Okay, so this piece is one I, I am doing heart work lately, heart art. Um, that's Tanya things, and um, this particular piece and the one I'm working on for the Certain Women Show will have many layers, and each layer means something different, and it's kind of an emotional ride to me to paint each layer because I think about what it is and I completely cover the last layer with the next one. And so that one has um, layers like that talk about love or talk about my grandchildren or there's a layer of just a blue sky and clouds. And I'm not the greatest cloud painter in the world, but it doesn't matter because it's just one of the layers. I don't know if there is such a thing as the greatest, <laughs> greatest cloud there's painter. There's so many different kinds of clouds, <laughs> no one can claim it. Yeah, but th- like, there's a layer that is um, just about my children. And basically it's just a mess of colors because I feel like their teenage years were just a mess of everything. <laughs> I think a lot of people can relate to yeah. that. Well, wait, but when you say that you covered them up completely, you were still photographing it and sharing it on social media. Yes. And you had told me that someone had seen one of these layers and what it, or one of these images. And wanted to buy it. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, that was like four steps ago and it's <laughs> gone. <laughs> Which kind of makes me think, I, I don't know what it makes me think. Do I stop at diff- when someone says that? I, I don't know. To me, the process is the interesting part and I want to get to the end that is all sanded down, everything runs together to make a final thing. Hmm. How many layers so, are in this painting? This particular one has 12. 12 layers. Was there a particular um, Jewish or uh, Maxwell Institute number 12 reason for nope. it? <laughs> <laughs> nope, it was just when I deemed it done. <laughs> there, I have been making a lot of heart paintings. Um, Why? Over the last year, um, they st- I collect a lot of heart. I'm drawn to hearts. I, I've loved hearts from the time I was a little kid. It's my favorite shape. And I just love the thought of love. And um, so I've always collected it. I've done a few paintings of hearts and then about a year ago just over a year ago Steve had a heart attack and I felt like some of those were preparing me for that um but it shocked me and it was not good (laughs) and so I stopped creating Steve didn't draw for a while after that and I couldn't we had some paintings that were in the works and I couldn't do them I just would sit and stare at him and think, there's no happy colors coming out. There's nothing. And so then I just started taking um, boards that we had, um, cradled boards that were prepped for other things and just started throwing color on it of different things. And then I realized, no, I need to work through the layers of these. Mm. So I've made in the last year almost 200 heart paintings. They've all cracked through the um, kind of a creative block that I could not get past, and I needed these hearts to let me out. Mm. And I think it's really helped both of us. There's, there's some that I've had Steve doodle on and do different things, but most of them are 
me getting out a lot of angst, I guess. I don't know what it is. And so when I do, um, some have three or four layers. Others have a dozen layers. This one I'm doing for certain women. I don't know. Might have 10, might have 20. Yeah. I don't know. But we'll we'll see when it end, where it ends up. But these have done something to me personally that when I am stuck in the things that I need to do, whether it be art or vacuum, you know, I'll throw some color on something as a start to another painting. And they've turned out totally different. Some are end up in neon colors and some end up with a white layer over them. It seems like there's a healthy amount of improvisation. In your Absolutely. Process. These are paintings that I'm not worried about. When, when I paint on the ones that Steve and I collaborate on, the picture is already there, and I'm just coloring it. When I do these, I don't know what they'll end up as at all. It and I don't know when they'll end until they're done. It seems like when you create a work of art that there's an element of personal therapy that goes into Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Do you find when people buy it that they're also buying it for that therapeutic effect? And if so, I mean, are people buying it because of... What do people tell... You know what? Let me ask a better question. That was not. That was. That was just my. That's opinion. all right. A better question is, when you talk to people ab about why they're buying your work, which isn't always a conversation you're able to have, but when you do have that, what do those conversations look like? Um, what do you hear from people? It makes me happy. Yeah. I smile when I see it. Yeah. Or you, you got what I was feeling. We did. Steve and I did a collaborative work that's called "Not Today, Satan, Not Today." And it's a, it's a picture of the devil in the middle with all these words around it that Steve, when he was going through a rough time, kind of this same, well, it was a couple of years ago, I guess, that he said, I sat down and wrote all the things Satan was telling me. You can't do that. You're too old. Da, 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 da. And so we did this painting with um usually i've heard that for musicians that turns into a hit song if they're, yeah. if they're talking to satan so, yeah. so it turns into it works for for yeah. visual art too so we did that and i'm telling you that painting's been in a couple different shows it's now sold to uh, um we know who purchased it but it's been in two different museum shows it's a print that we sell a lot of again prints are fine because not everyone can own the piece of art um but it's very meaningful to a lot of people. But my very favorite responses to our art is when people will tell us, um, I had this response to it, or I feel, or I didn't know anyone else thought this. That's my favorite, is when mm -hmm. someone says, I thought I was alone in that. And so I love it. Even with our loud, obnoxious things, we did one um, that looks like stones all piled up, and they're all different colors, and it's called um, Are You Experienced? Just Jimi Hendrix song. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but it's all about how every single stone goes is a different experience and some were like brown which I don't like using brown but there's parts of our life that are kind of brown mm. and some are hot pink and some are yellow but these are all our life experiences and we had someone message us these are my favorite things is when people message us about their art that just said this spoke to me so much because I didn't know other people had 
all these different experiences too. I'm like, yes, we do. We're all human. That's my favorite response is when someone relates to my art or our art and feels the same. It seems to me that that really gets to the idea that all art is communication. All art. Right? Yes. All art is Absolutely. communication. And that people are communicated to and have conversations with art in very different ways, just as many different kinds of people as there are. There are different yeah. ways of reaching them. However, you're, you are doing spiritual art in a community of Latter-day Saints that has had very prescribed and formal ways of making art and and it, it often is kind of biblical costume dramas right absolutely and I don't mean that in a I don't mean that in a in a bad way absolutely right it just yeah. it just is yeah uh, I'm talking almost like a so social anthropologist would about this mm -hmm. right and in and and I I think y your art is increasingly seen alongside those works of art in shows where it may have not been seen before. And I guess one of my questions is, is I guess I've, I've got several questions about that which we won't have time for, but it is, um, do you feel that way? Do you feel like there's more room for the kind of art that you are creating? Um, yes. In compared to that, and, and why? I think sometimes we think too much. Mm. I think there are a lot of artists and I almost said young artists thinking of myself, but I'm not that young anymore. So there are a lot of artists who feel like they don't belong because there is a certain idea of what art should be. Yeah. And uh, we would say official art, potentially, yes, right? That there's whatever an official it is. Art. And but who who's the boss of that? Who decided what that is? And there are people who don't get our art who look and go, well, that's not really for, or aren't in a million years not going to hang it in their home that's fine mm -hmm. i don't care i'm creating the art because we have to create this art we have we um do temples and the first temple painting we did f um there was a show at written vision and we did a couple of temples where the temples you did them white. Of, they were of temples they weren't yeah, they, in so they no. were temple they were subject the temple was the subject and yeah. so the temple is white and then it's all our crazy designs mm -hmm. and um i think the first one we did we called it peace in a restless world mm -hmm. and someone came up to me and said are you the artist that does the tie-dye temples? And I'm like, tie-dye <laughs> temples? What are you talking about? And they said, all that crazy psychedelic stuff around the temple. They were seeing something totally different. To me, I was seeing this crazy world yeah. and the peaceful place that the white represented of the temple. To them, they were like, what are you doing? This is like tie-dye and is does that go with a temple? Did you, like, did, you, did it come across as like uh, they were questioning yes, the appropriateness of totally it? Totally did. Interesting. But it, we mm. all have different um, paths and ideas in our lives and the way we do it. And Steve and I have had this conversation about um, we don't really see other artists like ours. Are we doing okay? Is this what we should be doing? But it is because that's what comes out. That's what comes out. I mean, it's the only thing you can do is yeah. be true to yourself. You can't yeah. make art that isn't who you are. Yeah. And it sounds like as you're making art that is who you are, that other people are 
are saying, oh, this speaks to me in yeah. ways that art that I'm not used to, because I'm not used to seeing this always. Right, right. Are coming out. Right. Um, if you were to um, go back and talk to that young woman who was doing craft, a younger self, what what would you, what advice would you give her? Keep doing it and yeah. just, yeah, don't, don't ever stop. Just keep making it. And I, and I still have to tell myself, be you. Quit thinking so hard. Just do what you want to do. There is no other Steve and Tanya pair that do things. There is no other Tanya. Other people might be painting hearts. For heaven's sakes, there's a lot of artists who paint hearts. Someone just introduced me to um, Jim Dine, who's an older artist. I had no idea about this guy, and I'm looking at him like, wow, this is sort of what I do. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of awesome. But we're all, we all have to create our own thing, and it's important to. We're all put on this earth to create our life. And if, and if we're struggling at that, then we need to work harder to find who we are in that creation. Well, I think that is a great place to, to, to end our conversation. Thank cool. you for coming, Tanya, yeah. and spending time. And thank you, Steve. We'll get you on another round. Appreciate you, appreciate <laughs> you being here. I'd like Thanks. to thank Tanya Vistanet for joining us. You can see more of her work on her website, ahappyvista.com. Is there anywhere else you'd like to suggest? Or a happy vista on Instagram. Instagram. And Vista is short for Vista on it. And Vista, vista also means outlook. Means view. So yeah. it's a happy view. Love it. Love it. Um, this episode is part of a series of interviews that I am doing to promote the Certain Women Art Show which opens on October 4th. Um, you will probably hear this close to that date. It features the work of 90 Latter-day Saint women who have been invited uh, to be a part of the show and create work specifically for it. Um, it'll be held at Anthony's Fine Art in Salt Lake City. For more information, you can visit certainwomenartshow.com. That's certainwomenartshow.com. And if I'm saying this all too quickly, you can go to designartsociety.org. And under the podcast tab, I have this all written down, including images of the pieces that we saw and, and, and talked about with Tanya today. Thank you for listening. I'm Micah Christensen.